Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Let's get on fire for the Lord. And I want to uh, celebrate the fact that we have uh, Bob and Audrey Meisner here with their son, Robert. And uh, we met uh, close to five years ago. We started doing a marriage conference out of Phoenix, Arizona. We've become uh, real, real good friends. I'm, I'm telling you, no lie, with regards to the fact that if there's a definition for hero, and we don't have many these days, these guys are our heroes, and we lift them up and, and, and really admire you guys. Come on up and change the world. Thank Hallelujah. You. I'm so excited to be here this morning. I have Bye no kids. gadgets to explode or to have sound off or something. Wow. Good morning, everyone. We love this church family. We are so grateful for you guys. Thank you for loving us when we walk in and we get the hugs and the kisses and the smiles and the, the, just the anointing of the presence of God is all over you. Mm -hmm. So thank you for your welcome. Mm -hmm. Love it. Enjoyed your worship this morning. You know, yes, the, the song you. that kept going and going is that love never his fails, love never fails. Never gives up. That's what I was going never, to. Never gives up on me. Right. He never gives up on me. Mm. I want you to today if you could go home with that knowing yes. that your father he's got you covered and that he will never give up on you that's right there was a, a season in in our life audrey and i we've been married 28 years and i still like him a lot thank you but we've been married 28 years but 17 years into our marriage we had a real crisis yes. and so when people you know, like Joaquim introduce us and they say, they're a real hero, you know, of the faith. I just cringe because I'm a real failure. You know, I have so failed, but my God is such a hero, you know, and, uh, and he never gave up on me because I gave up on me many times. <laughs> but there was a time where you begin to trust and believe yes. that what God says about himself is true. Yes, and I want those realities to become mine. Mm -hmm. And so there's a trusting that we must have. It, uh, faith is basically this, to believe. To believe is to be living. So that what we talk about, what we preach about, what we read about... You see, I don't want to just give mental assent to that, but rather I want that to become my reality. Yesterday I shared Colossians 1, 27, where it says, Christ in you, your hope of glory. Christ dwells within you, which gives you a confident expectation of glory, where his view and opinion of you will become your reality. This world will hurt you. Mm -hmm. The most meaningful relationships that you will be in there will be pain. Mm -hmm. There will be challenges. There will be heartache. But will you choose to operate in redeeming love? Mm -hmm. Because that's what your father did with you. Yes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We're entering into that season where we remember the tremendous gift that father God gave to us. And that was himself. His very own son, where he pursued us and loved us. Mm -hmm. You know, in our brokenness, 
You know, in our, in our weakness, he says, I want to make you strong. This world is trying to form you. It's trying to conform you. But the whole thing is, is I refuse. You know, we all have reason to quit. We all have reason to be upset. We all have reason to be unforgiving. We can all list out the facts and the events that will sustain the condition that you're in. But God. But God. And what he wants to do is he wants to speak his identity, his value, his dignity, his worth into your life. He wants to take these facts of your life and bring truth. Because it's the truth of God that will trump the facts of your life every single time. So when I say the Father has you covered, I mean this. When you feel like quitting, when you feel like abandoning, when you feel like walking out, there is a favoring grace of God upon your life where these moments and these circumstances will not define you. Rather, you're going to embrace the truth of God that you might experience the grace of God that you might go free. So when I said in our marriage we had a crisis in 17 years, um, my, my dear bride, um, she had a sexual affair. Boy, I hate saying that. I, I apologize. I'm sorry that happened. Okay, it was horrible. Yeah, it was awful. But it was a terrible time, you know, in our marriage. Mm-hmm. But you see, there was an opportunity mm-hmm. for that to define me. Yeah. There was an opportunity for that to define our life and to determine our future. But God. That's right. So today we want to talk about a father that's got you covered. Because in my uh, natural, in my humanness, what I wanted to do was expose into shame. What I wanted to do was to uncover. But Father God says in Proverbs 25 too, he says, it's God's glory to conceal a matter and for a king to discover its understanding. Will we cover one another Mm -hmm. or will we shame and expose one another? I needed to learn of my father's love. And in knowing his love, I was then able to cover. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in these incidents or in these seasons of life, when you don't know what to do, you need the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. You need godly men and women in your life because there's so much chaos and so much confusion going on that they need to come alongside you to speak truth to you that you might know truth, that you might really walk in freedom. And you know, when you, you know, the, the Bible says in Revelations, the enemy is defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love their, not their life even unto death. And um, I think one of the most powerful things that every single one of us have, you have one, we have one, and that's a story, that all things are possible. We have a story that says yes There was a painful time, but Jesus, in his love for us, he reached us in that time when we didn't know what to do and we didn't know where to go. And when I told Bob about that affair that I had, everything in me wanted to just crawl in a corner for the rest of my life. And then I remember that first night when um, Bob called a pastor and he says, you've got to cover Audrey. And he's, you know, because covering has two principles. Maybe just share those principles. Well, the two principles, two primary principles is one is to protect 
And then the other is to promote healing. When you've been hurt or wounded, when you've been cut, you go immediately and you cover that wound, right? To protect it from any further injury. Then you'll remove your hand. You'll clean that wound. You'll suture that wound and then you'll bandage it. You'll cover it again that you might promote healing. You see, when wounds and hurts come to our life, a lot of times what we want to do is run away. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that fight or flight mode. Yeah. And then there's another mode called freeze. You know, and it's like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden the crisis, you know, in your life can just freeze and you're stuck there the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. But God says, I want to cover you. Yes. I want to fight for you. You see, I want to promote healing in your life. So when you feel like running away from God, when you feel like running away from the body of Christ, when you feel like running away from your marriage, no, that's the last thing that you need to do. You need to go to. You don't need to get away from. Rather, when your children get in trouble, where do you, where do you want them going? Do you want them running away from home? No, you want them running to home. Yes. Therefore, we make it easy for our children to come home. Why? Because I'm going to cover you. Yeah. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to promote healing in your life. That's my father's heart. And so um, that first night, we went back to our bed together because we, Bob was challenged not to divorce, not to even participate with the spirit of divorce. Was it easy? No. But was God's presence with us? Yes. Absolutely. With him, all things are possible. Our father, even though we were in pain, mm -hmm. he had us covered. Two weeks later, we found out that I had become pregnant as a result of that affair. And all of a sudden, all hope left me. And um, I remember thinking, you know, and I can't live through this. I can't live through, I'm a public person, the baby will not look like the other kids. Our other children are 10, 12, and 15 years old. My kids will be messed up. We've been in ministry all our lives. I've been a Jesus girl since I was this big. All I have wanted to do in my life is tell everyone how much Jesus loves them. And now I have this testimony. There's no happy ending. There is no way. I'm going to be disqualified for the rest of my life. But let me tell you about my dad, about my father. He wasn't ashamed of what I did. He didn't turn his back and say, how could you, my daughter? He came to me in that darkest place, and he didn't leave me there. That's the love of our daddy in heaven, and he is not just mine. He's yours. We are called to this world to be world changers. That means that we are representatives. We are ambassadors of our Father to this lost and dying world. Will we be representative of his love? Because that is what every person in this world is craving, is the love of their father. And when I found out I was pregnant, guys, I didn't think I could live. But I had a moment in God's presence that changed everything for me. Now, I happen to have an amazing earthly dad. And believe me, I know that is rare. But I'm just saying that, dads here, you get to be that amazing earthly father. Whether you had one or not, you get to be that. I had that. And I was alone with my dad in the car just after I was just found out I was pregnant. Nobody knew but my parents. And I was safe with my dad. And I started crying. 
I'm not saying Bob isn't amazing. I'm just saying in that moment, we weren't very nice to each other. Can you understand that? Like, he wasn't being, oh, Audrey, it's okay. No. Like, it was awful. It was yeah. painful. Yeah. This is real stuff, guys. We live in a real life, and this hurts. Like, hell. Okay. And so um, I was alone with my dad, and I didn't think I could live, and he said one sentence that changed my world. That is the power of a father that can say one sentence that changes everything if you will receive it for yourself. It was a matter of receiving. And he said this one thing to me. I said, Dad, I can't live. And he said this, Audrey, that's what you did. But it's not who you are. People will define you by your stupid things that you've done. People will judge you. People will, will do all those things, but not my daddy in heaven. He says, yes, you may have done that, but I know who you really are. I know the real you. And if you can receive my love, I can transform your heart. But you've got to trust me. And when my dad said those words, I put a new... I've been a Jesus girl since I was this big. I was 36 years old, but I trusted God on a new level. Because, you see, I had to walk through a world that was going to shame me, was going to judge me, was going to... And I had an option. I can either listen to the voices of everybody around me, including the enemy of who I was, or I could hang on to that one word from God, from my daddy in heaven, that said, that's not what, who I am. So I made a choice through the pregnancy of going to bed at night, crying every single night, not knowing what's going to happen when this baby comes down and it doesn't look like the other kids. How am I going to live through this? The fear that gripped me every time I said that one thing over again, that is not who I am. I am a daughter of the Most High God. I am a daughter of the King. My Father loves me. Therefore, if He loves me, I can trust Him. And today's message is about how the Father has you covered. And in order to receive that, you have to know him. Someone has to tell you, someone has to represent him so that you know that there's a Father in heaven that's really that loving. Because we don't have a, a, a vantage point, most of us, of what a daddy really is, what a father is that protects us. But today we're here to say God is worth trusting. And when you know, put it this way, you can't trust someone unless you know them. Am I right? You have to know somebody before you're going to put your life into their hands and trust them. Today's a message of, yes, the Father has you covered. Therefore, you can trust him. Mm -hmm. When a crisis happens in our life, it's a very dangerous moment uh -huh. because it's a turning point. It's a turning point in our life. And so I want to, if you, for a moment, to visualize with me that you've journeyed down a path. And you come to this fork in the road. And this is going to be your turning point. You, where you go, either go this way or that way. And uh, standing there before you is this sign. And you make this cho the, the choices there before you. One sign says this, pleasing God. And the other sign says, trusting God. Which way will we go? Let's journey down the path of pleasing God. Pleasing God's a good thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. 
It is. I want to please him. I want to please him. But down this road, you come to a place, and all of a sudden you find yourself being extremely exhausted and worn out because you're doing everything that you can to please God. And down this road, you get tired. You get worn out. You get exhausted. And the, 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 the thoughts that you have in your mind is, when will I ever know that I have pleased my Father? When will I ever know that I have done enough? How much do I need to do? And what we do is we create great religious systems. And we create great things of trying to prove to our God how much I love you. And how much I, I, I just want to be like you. I want to please you. I want to make you happy. Can you see how that cycle can get very exhausting and extremely tiring? Let's come back to the fork in the road. And down this road of trust God. All of a sudden, when I begin to trust God, oh, down the, the pleasing side, rooted there in your heart and your life is a whole lot of fear. There's a whole lot of fear when you're trying to please God because you're living from a place of disappointment. You're not really persuaded in your heart that he loves you and that he cares for you and that he'll cover you. You've got to please him enough in order that you might earn his love. So it's a, a love that is rooted in fear. Down the other road of that of trusting God, all of a sudden, you're beginning to trust in the finished work of the love of your Father. In the finished work of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. All of a sudden, I'm beginning to embrace the realities of God, the expression of God to me. All of a sudden, I find a place of rest. Down the road of pleasing, there's a lot of striving, there's a lot of struggling. But down the road of trust, all of a sudden, I begin the divine exchange of my life for his life, of my ways for his ways, of my thoughts for his thoughts. You see, that's what happens when I begin to trust him. So my question is, is God enough? I'm saying he is. Does he love me? I'm saying he does. In my, in my life, I, I, I'll share with you just one quick journey. Because I wanted to know, I wanted to please God so bad. You have no idea. So true. Man, I mean, that was everything about me, you know, is that I wanted to please God. And I, I just wore myself out. Um, we were probably married about uh, eight, nine years at the time. And uh, I had gone back to Bible college, and uh, we had three young children, and I was desperate to know God. I mean, I really wanted to know Him. I didn't want to know about Him, but I wanted to experience and know Him. And so I was desperate. I mean, Audrey, she's enjoying God and His presence. She's hearing His voice. And I'm like, I'm not going to put on any air. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to say I've got it when I don't. I want the real deal, okay? And, uh, and so uh, we're, we're in Bible college, 
and um, and Audrey's experiencing God. You know, things are going great for her, and I'm like cold dead. I mean, nothing is happening in my life, and uh, and so I get desperate. So, what do desperate people do? Desperate measures. <laughs> so, what do you do? You start fasting. Right. You start fasting because if you're going to fast, then at least you'll get God's attention. You know, then you, you, you at least express to him how serious you are, right. you know, kind of a thing. So that's what I was doing. Basically, I got hungry. That's what happened. So three days in and one of my lecturers, uh, you know, he's ministering to people at the end of service. And he says, you know, before we go today, let me pray for you. And, and he asks everyone to put their heads down. And he begins to speak words of knowledge and uh, over people's lives. People are crying. People are being ministered to. My head is on the table and I'm just, you know, desperate and I'm crying. I'm trying to cry. You know, I want to cry because I'm trying to please God to get his attention to know how desperate I am for you. And, 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 uh, and then I hear these words from the minister and he says these words. Amen. I'm like, that's it. There's nobody more desperate in this room than me. God, where are you? I get up and I, and I stand, you know, three, four feet in front of him and tears are coming down my face. And I looked at him and I said, what about me? He's just a little guy. He steps forward and he punches me in the shoulder and he says, hang in there. I'm like, hang in there. Dude, I'll take you out. That evening, we go, we're going to bed, the kids are asleep, and I want to talk to Audrey about this, you know, because this just isn't right, you know, and I'm agitated. Agitated means frustrated. Frustrated means I was getting angry, okay? And I'm trying to talk to Audrey, like, let's talk about this, like, what's wrong? And she says, you know what, that's your problem, I'm going to bed. Like, where's the love? So anyhow, that night, like every other night before, I went outside and I lied down on the ground with my face in the dirt. I mean, if I could have found, you know, sackcloth, I would have. If I could have rolled in ashes, I would have. I mean, I was that desperate. And as I laid there on the ground, I was repenting of everything that I had before. A hundred times before. Because I was trying to please God. I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to be good enough. What do I need to do? And all of a sudden, and I'll try to express this in the best way that I can. I, I call it what I had like my first vision. But I was completely aware of my surroundings. I knew what was going on. But I had images in my in my mind that I hadn't had before. And it was like, okay, I can either go with this or I can get up and I can walk away. I thought, I'll, I'll try this. And I knew that the Lord's presence was with me. And here I was standing in like a castle of a long corridor, stone floors and walls and arched doorways on the left and the right. And I knew the Lord's presence was behind me. And he says, let's go for a walk. So I'm walking down this corridor and all of a sudden we stop and there's a door to my right. And I just sense that he says, let's go in here. I said, oh, no, we don't go in there. This door was, had been closed. It was cobwebbed. It was dusty. And there was a plaque that read on the door. And it said, Father. And Jesus said, let's go into this room. 
I said, oh no. You see, when I was engaged to be married, I received a phone call from my dad, who had been the hero in my life. And he said, Bob, I thought that you should know and hear it from me. I'm leaving your mother. So for 10 years, I had been desiring and pleading with God, doing whatever I could to see my parents reconcile. I had reserved a place in my heart for my father. And the Lord was standing here and saying, let's go in here. I said, we can't. And then I just had this sense, well, then our journey together is over. That was scary. I said, okay, we'll go in here. And the drapes were drawn. It was dark. It was dusty. We immediately opened it. We began to clean the room. And I noticed that there was a throne. And the Lord says to me, out of your deep desire for your earthly father, out of your deep love for your earthly father, you have shut out your heavenly father. Where your earthly father has failed, your heavenly father is more than enough. And then in that moment, I opened up my heart to my father God. And for the very first time, I heard these words. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. My father, God, spoke his identity into my life. I'm telling you, I got up from the ground. I was a brand new person. It's true. Because my father spoke his identity into my heart. You see, the thing is, is that we have all, we all have hurts. We all have pain. You know, we all have failed relationships. But my question today is, will you continue down the path of trying to please God? Or will you begin your journey of beginning to trust God that he loves you, that he cares about you, that he wants to speak his identity, his value, his dignity, his worth into your life? The Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, he said, Blessed be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Say with me, living hope. Living hope. You have a living hope. There is an assurance. There is a confidence. There is a knowing that you can have because of the resurrection of Jesus. And here Peter is writing to the church. And it's not, Peter is not this rambunctious, young, um, zealot, uh, unrefined individual, but rather Peter has been in the ministry for 60 years. Wow. And he's writing to the church and he says, you have a living hope. He says, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, uh, you are in heaviness. Heaviness is a distress or grief. Uh, through manifold, meaning all kinds of temptations, you know, and when these temptations um, present themselves, what they want us to do is to quit. But he says, this trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that is precious, 
though it be uh, tried by fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says in uh, Corinthians that there is a working of God's grace in our lives. You see, what he wants to take is the trials and the hardships, and he wants to work those things for your benefit. Mm -hmm. Not all problems are preventable. I think you need to know that. Not all problems are preventable. However, most problems we can overcome if we trust God and we don't lose hope. In verse 3, he says, you know, the, we have this living hope. So no matter the fiery trial, no matter the persecution, no matter the hardship, Peter is saying there is hope. You see, Peter was there on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was released upon the church. Peter was there when the, um, uh, Stephen was stoned, when he was martyred for his faith. Peter buried the body and consoled the family. Peter was there when the Pharisees, in their zeal, persecuted the church. Peter was there. Peter was also there when he heard the rooster crow three times and he betrayed his master. Peter was also there when he returned to his fishing business. But he heard the voice of his master. Throw your net on the other side. Peter was there when he heard the voice, Peter, do you love me? Three times the Lord reinstated him. Peter was there. You see, you might feel as though that you have something in your life that is just way too great. I have failed far too much. I mean, Peter, that could have been him. I was a disciple. I was a follower, but I betrayed him. But here now, late in years, this patriarch, this man of God says, there is hope. There is hope. I'm standing here and I declare over you just by the experiences in my life that there is a father who wants to cover you who wants to love you and speak to you Mm -hmm. his living hope. Mm -hmm. There is abundant mercy. Abundant, the Greek word there is pelos, which means great, vast, gigantic. There is abundant mercy for your life. Mm -hmm. Abundant mercy. Peter's testimony here is one for all of us. And so today, um, I don't want you to leave this house not knowing mm-hmm. that no matter what you may have participated with, no matter where you have been, but there is a God that loves you. Yeah. And he does not want your past to dictate or determine or define your future. Mm-hmm. There is gigantic mercy mm-hmm. that is for you. And, you know, to continue our our story, you know, you hear this, you know, 
because you trust him, my Father in heaven will always provide. I, I just, just because of the way I am, I like to have things that I always remember that I can hang on to for dear life. And I've put them into four P words. And that is that my, because you see, I want to know my father. Because if I know him, then I can trust him. And if I can trust him, then I can have hope. Do you see how it goes from one to the next? If I know him, I can trust him. If I trust him, I can always have hope no matter what. You hear what we've gone through. It was pretty hard to have hope there. But when there's a foundation of knowing your father, you can have hope. And so I think of my father with these four Ps. Number one, he is my provider. I don't know what you've been through, but we've been through some financial stuff. And I have needed, we have needed finances. We have gone through and we needed healing. When we needed direction, we needed all those things. He provides all of those. He is our provider. He provides wisdom. He provides everything we need for every moment because he loves us. Our daddy is our provider. Number two, P, he's my protector. If, when I am trusting him, I, he will protect me from, from participating with sin. He protects me from all of these things, from people who hurt me. He protects me because when I know my value and worth, you can try and hurt me, but it won't work. Have you noticed that I stand here and you just heard the most stupid and selfish thing I've ever done in my life? But do you sense shame on me? No. Why? Because he provided, he has protected me from anyone's judgment because I am not defined by what people think of me. That is what I did, but it's not who I am. I have been washed in the blood of Jesus, and I don't wear any hint of shame because God loves me that much. Wow. And if he loves me that much, you guys are my brothers and sisters. We are all in this family together, and he loves you that much too. So go ahead and take what he gave to you because he gave you forgiveness. You don't have to carry shame with you. You don't have to carry regret with you any longer. You don't have to carry that because he provides and he protects you. Someone, could, someone has actually put their finger in my face and told me what they think of me, and it doesn't penetrate. Why? Because my worth is established in what Jesus says. It's not that I'm not sensitive because I'm sensitive. I cry easy. I have a soft heart. But when it comes to that, my daddy, he printed, don't you go near my daughter. That's, that's not who she is. He's my provider. He's my protector. He is my promoter. You know, we want to change the world. Therefore, we have to be influencers. Therefore, God will promote us to places where we can influence others. To, to, to follow after God. We are literally ambassadors and representatives of his love. Every single place we go, every eyeball that you meet, every hug and kiss, people will receive healing when you go like this and say, hi, there is healing that comes through me and you to everyone we touch, everyone we get into any kind of contact with. That is the Father's promotion in every single one of us. He's not a respecter of persons, guys. He wants to use you and promote you to influence the world. And number four, and this is the most important P word, and that is this, perfect. He loves us perfectly. And perfect love expels all fear. And if you want to enjoy and love your life and love your God, being free from fear is the ultimate. Seriously. 
If you don't live with fear of failure, believe me, every time I say something like this, it means because I've journeyed through them. I've had a lot of fear of failure. I've had a lot of fear of abandonment, a lot of fear of rejection, a lot of fear of those big fears. I'm not talking about fear of the dark. I'm talking the big fears that are in the deep places of your heart. But Jesus loves me perfectly. And I'm not saying I've arrived, but every day I'm just a little more free. A little more free from that fear. And I want to promote freedom from fear because my Father loves me perfectly. My Father has got me covered. Mm -hmm. Your Father has got you covered. It is so vital that you experience the love of your Father. Not just read about it, not just talk about it or know it in your head, but there's an element of faith that it takes to receive because you don't feel like you deserve it. But will you open your heart today and say, what, what they're talking about, that kind of depth of love, just say simple, humble words, Father, love me and teach me to know how to be loved and to receive love. A child really receives love so easily. Become that childlike one to receive his love. Mm-hmm. It's a really good story. Just okay. Um, and um, story I spoke a lot. No, no, I did as well. <laughs> we both did. Thank you. But I know we have another group coming in. Um, a lot of times, you need to do things purely out of obedience, mm-hmm. and then the emotions or the feelings will follow. And that's what I tend to, that's what I see happen in my life, is that I I embrace the truth, but then I begin to experience its life. You know, there's a resurrection life of God that comes, you know, and you experience something new that you've never experienced before. But a lot of times you just need to do things out of obedience Mm -hmm. simply because it's right and it's true. And it's like, Father, I'm going to trust you. Because if I'm going to live life out of my emotions, then I'm going to be this way and I'm going to be that way. But when I embrace truth, all of a sudden my emotions become stable. And my emotions allow me to enjoy the moment. You see, he brings joy in your journey. So in our journey to wholeness, we needed to tell the children about the pregnancy. And the father had been doing enough work on my heart about the principles of covering that I wanted to demonstrate to my children the character of God. You know, God, this is the God that I'm trusting. So when we told our children, we invited them into the bedroom and they, they walked in and my children were 15, 12, and 10 years old and they walked in and they saw a mom and dad sitting on the floor, you see, in a place of despair, no hope. And we were crying because we thought that this was going to destroy us and destroy our family. But there was inside of us a glimmer of hope. Where God, I want your realities to become mine. I don't feel it, you know, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that what you said about yourself and what you say about me and about my family, about my future is true. Therefore, I will obey. Mm -hmm. I'm going to follow you. And so when they walked in, they saw mom and dad crying. 
They sat down on the floor and I got up immediately and I went over to the bed and I pulled that queen size blanket from the bed. And with Audrey seated there on the floor, I took that blanket and I covered her from head to foot. And I knelt down beside her and I wrapped my arms around her. And I looked deep into my children's eyes. And I said, kids, this is what God does when we make a mistake. He comes to us. He covers us. And he wraps his arms around us. And he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. With Audrey covered and held in my arms, I began to speak to my children of how much I love my wife, of how much I love your mom, that we're a family and that we belong and that I'm not going anywhere. And with her covered and held in my arms, I said, kids, you're going to have a baby brother. They began to cry immediately because they knew what had happened. But my daughter at the time, 12 years old, she gets this big smile on her face. And she looks at me and she says, Daddy, we're having a baby. But she sees my pain and cries again. But she can't contain the joy. And she looks at me and she says, Daddy, we're having a baby. I knew that we were going to be okay. Mm -hmm. My youngest, David, at that time, he's looking at all of us he's quite... Ten. 10 years old, quite confused. And he says, Daddy, he says, I don't get it. At least I'm not going to be the youngest anymore. And I knew that we were going to be okay. I want you to know that today you have a father that is compassionate towards your pain and your struggles and your heartaches. And I can stand here today and say he is the God of all hope. Mm -hmm. Your circumstances might want to speak despair, but God says, I want to take you through these circumstances. Yeah. Will you allow my mercy and my grace to define your life? And you know, Leo, you have to tell them when, when we didn't know what to do with the baby. <laughs> Sorry, it's going to take one minute because this is the key. Okay. When you didn't know if we should give up the baby for adoption or what should right. we do, what did Leo say to you? Well... This is all a big journey in our life, you know, because the biggest question was, she keeps opening up these cans, you know, and it's not one sentence, like there's a volume, you know, <laughs> but the whole thing was, is my biggest question is, will I have the capacity to be able to love this baby as my own? That was my, that was the challenge. Or will this baby forever be a reminder of the betrayal and of the rejection? That was my, that was my biggest struggle and I remember meeting with my friend and my pastor Leo Godzich and I just poured my heart to him many times before but this one morning he answered me because my question was you know do, do I keep the baby or do I give it up for adoption because it's not fair for this baby to be raised by an angry father this baby's done nothing wrong I've got the problem and he said to me Bob, there's a baby on your doorstep. What do you do? Will you participate with this fatherless generation or will you become a father to the fatherless? The rest is up to you. You've got to grow up. Today, I want you to know your father's love. He cares so much about you and that the circumstances, whatever you might be facing today, 
I don't want them to define your life. You see, this is what happened in our marriage. But it doesn't define us. Mm -mm. His grace does. His mercy does. See, my life is a testimony of the finished work of Jesus. So let's take a moment and pray. Let's just take a moment and pray. Father, in this brief moment, I'm asking that you would breathe your life into these words that were spoken. I just ask that, you know, these words would land upon the hearts of individuals today, that they might experience your resurrected life. God, breathe your life into these lives. A hope where they can begin to reach out to you. A hope that can change the destructive course of our lives. The enemy people has fed you a lie concerning the consequences of your choices. You've accepted your sickness. You've accepted your problems. You've accepted it because of your own fault or because of somebody else. You're believing the lie that I deserve this. Today, I break that lie off of your life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus came to change the consequences, to turn it around, to set you free Mm -hmm. in every area of your life. God has never said to you, I don't care, suffer your consequences. But today he says to you, I do care. Yes. Let me change your circumstances. Let me change the results for you. Mm -hmm. Let me turn your life around and use them for your benefit. And today, while your eyes are closed, you are here. There's an opportunity in front of you. And that is this. Will you agree with the truth that your father has you covered? That your daddy loves you? Will you take a step of faith of trusting him to let his anointing love penetrate deeper than it ever has before? This is your opportunity because I believe this is God's message for right now. And without any musicians or anything, just our voices, I just want to sing one phrase. Don't think about any other person in this room but you and your heart and your relationship with your dad in heaven. And just sing this directly to him. Your love never fails, never gives up, never gives out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Sing it right to him. Your love never fails, never gives up, it never runs out. Just keep singing. Lord, Father, each and every person, help them to receive your love and experience your love in this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen.